don't really ever, I don't know if I've ever done this, but I'm going to read something. Um, today being Memorial Day weekend, this was um, part of the Gettysburg Address written so long ago. Um, but it says, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on the great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus so far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Um, those have reigned down through the generations. Um, do you know how... Do you know how fortunate we are? He spoke these words in the Civil War. You know, how, you know how few nations have ever reconciled after a Civil War? Amen. I mean, that's remarkable. 625,000 of our young men died in that war. And God brought us together for reconciliation. Um, that doesn't happen naturally. Um, we could have very easily been separated forever at that moment. Uh, but, but I'm thankful for those words. And uh, I think we could apply them uh, to our service in the Lord. Um, because of those that have went before us. And, and, and lifted up the bloodstained banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Carried it out into the battlefields of this world. And it said the world may little note or long remember what we say. But there's a record being kept of the things that we do. Um, and it talks about uh, that the living to honor those dead that gave their life for so great a cause. Uh, the last full measure of their devotion that they shall not have died in vain. Uh, my friends, today as the church of the living God, there have been men and women that came before us. Uh, there have been people that risked and gave their lives for the Word of God. There have been people that um, were burned at the stake in America for preaching the Gospel. Um, we ought to remember them today on this Memorial Day. It was originally created to 
to um, to place flowers on the ground. There are different stories from whence it originated. Uh, there are some ladies in the south that say they did it before the north, and and the north says we did it before the south. But at any rate, at some point in time, women decided to go and decorate the graves of the soldiers who died in the Civil War, um, and 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 so that was Decoration Day. And over time, it has grown into not just our Civil War dead, but all of our soldiers who died on the battlefield. And so that's what this weekend really is, uh, that you have the opportunity to sit here free, and we were born free, and I'm thankful for that. We are in the vast minority that's ever walked the face of this earth, that we are free men. Uh, and I'm thankful for those who gave their lives. And so at Decoration Day, we go out and we'll decorate the cemeteries, decorate the markers, decorate those stones that we've put up uh, to show the world that uh, this man or this woman lived and died. And so we do that. We decorate them. But uh, I would say today we ought, to, we ought to also not forget to give flowers while people are alive, uh, when they can be enjoyed. All too often we just... Give them their flowers at the grave. Uh, and we ought to thank them while we're here. Um, and so I just wanted to say that. Anything on your heart? Alright, we're going to go uh, read a, a few verses in Genesis chapter 28. Uh, I do desire a great interest in your prayers. As we said, I'm, uh, I'm pretty tired. It's, uh, I don't know, an hour and ten minutes or so from my house to Hogan's Creek. And, um, and so uh, two and a half hours or so round trip and... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm physically uh, kind of exhausted uh, this morning, and, and I need your prayers. And preached last night, and um, those back-to-backs are hard for me sometimes. And, um, <coughs> so I do need your help. Um, uh, Genesis chapter 28, and starting with verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. Uh, the land where thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. Uh, and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it 
And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that place, or the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Um, I begin to think about this and uh, this week and what, um, sometimes when you're in revival, it's hard to separate uh, what God wants for there and what God wants for here. Uh, so I tried to uh, sift it out and separate uh, one service from the other, but and it seems like my thoughts have landed here. Uh, and we said and made a statement about Memorial Day. Uh, and it's a, uh, uh, you ought to, uh, most of you, I'm sure, unless you work retail, uh, most of you are probably off tomorrow. Uh, and you ought to take some time just to really thank God uh, for the opportunity. It's more than a day off of work and a barbecue. You ought to take the opportunity to look at, uh, at, at some pictures and look at some uh, videos maybe of, uh, of soldiers on a foreign soil. Uh, it, always, uh, it always does something to me when I see uh, the videos at Normandy and I see that uh, boat ramp go down and I see those men step off uh, uh, knowing good and well they were stepping out in this sudden death. And most of them knew they were stepping out out into sure death and as the boat ramps went down and they stepped out and the bullets started flying people were having to step over the dead bodies of their friends the ones they served with the ones that they would lay down their life for they stepped over their bodies I've heard reports that say some of them couldn't swim and so when they stepped out of the boat they sank and they drank and the few that made it to the beach uh, were shot at and, and most of them never set foot off of that beach but they had a cause and they had a purpose and they realized that there was a tyrant over that sea that separates us from them and he would soon have the world under his thumb unless something was done. Friends, David said it this way before going into battle with Saul. He said, is there not a cause? My friend, you look. You've heard testimonies here this day about your local hospital in Macon County. It's not just in the cities, but they're forcing that. Men and women, women becoming men, boys becoming girls. I mean, there's a cause that we need to fight today if we want to preserve this way of life. If we want to preserve the gospel that's been handed down uh, not far away. Uh, and I said, I told you this, I was saved at a Methodist church, uh, uh, but it wasn't one like they are today. Uh, it was one that believed in the way of salvation. It was one that preached uh, and left a man alone at the altar uh, and let him pray through uh, until he is satisfied. Uh, but there's a church not very far from where I'm in revival at this week. Uh, a great big Methodist church. Uh, and I'm not saying they're all like this, but apparently this one is, uh, that they'll confirm little babies when they're born uh, and sprinkle them uh, and then go through a, a confirmation class that lasts about a year uh, when they become a teenager and they'll graduate from that class and they'll tell them they've been consecrated and tell them they've been saved. I'm telling you, our old way is going by the wayside Amen. unless we hold it up. Right. Unless we... So what's this got to do with Jacob. Well, it doesn't really have anything to do with Jacob, uh, but Jacob found himself on the run. 
He found himself after he had uh, stolen his brother's birthright. Uh, he found himself on the lamb, if you will, uh, on the run. His brother, uh, his brother Esau was going to kill him. Uh, he was going to kill him and take it ran. And he had been instructed from his father and his mother, don't take a wife of these Canaanites, but go down back to the homeland and go down and find, she told him, his mother said, find my brother, find Laban, and you you just acquaint yourself with him. Take you a wife from there, not from these women of Canaan. And so that's what Jacob had done. He had started on that journey and he came to a city called Luz. And being dark, the Bible said, he just laid down. I had nothing. I want you to understand. He says later that he came with nothing but a staff in his hand. That's the only possession that he had. And he went out with a staff in his hand. And in this city of Luz, it became dark. And he thought, here's the place that I'll I'll just make my camp. And it said he had a rock for a pillow. Imagine that. When you lay your head on that down pillow at night, you think about a man named Jacob one time who just had a rock for his pillow. But as he fell asleep, the Bible said he fell into a dream and in that dream he saw a ladder and on that ladder that reached from the sky down to the earth that ladder is a picture of Jesus Christ that's able to stand on the earth and touch the humanity of man and stand in the heavens and touch the holiness of God and he said there were angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. I'm thankful today there is a ladder. Uh, There is a way uh, to get from here to there. Uh, There is a way that's made for a man to get from here and end up there. There is a ladder. And on that ladder, uh, everything hinges. Uh, uh, For that ladder is Christ. uh, And the only way that you can get to God is through Christ. uh, And on that ladder, uh, and so rung by rung, uh, uh, those angels went up and down. Uh, Jesus said to His disciples when He called them, uh, He said, you're going to see greater things than that. The angels of God ascending and descending. And the Bible says Jacob woke up the next day and he was terrified. And he said, surely God is in this place. And I knew it not. And it said he took that stone that he laid his head on. He took that pillow and he made it a pillar. And he anointed that stone with oil. And that's what I want to talk to you. There are different cases Uh, in the Scripture where men set up marks and set up stones. And it being Memorial Day, that's been on my mind. Uh, uh, Jacob set a mark there. Uh, And I told you what Lincoln said, that the world may long forget the things that we have said, uh, but not the things that we've done. And so Jacob set a marker there. Uh, He said that city is not love anymore. And he said, I'm going to call it Bethel. It's a place where God met with him. Do you have a Bethel? Do you have a place 
where God spoke to you for the first time and revealed to you you were lost without God and maybe a place where you were terrified as Jacob was. I'm thankful that I've got a vessel I can go back in my mind to a night I was sitting in a little church house and when I woke in I sighed when Jacob laid down he was fine but when he woke up he was terrified that it happened that quick. I was lost. I have a vessel where Jacob spoke with me. Jacob set a marker there. And some years later, he was down with Laban in that country. And God spoke to him and said, Jacob, Jacob, you need to make your way back. He said, come back to Bethel. He spoke and said, I am the God of Bethel. And Jacob went back. And it's good for us to go back. It's good for us to look for those markers. It's good for us to look for those stones that we've set up in days gone by. Uh, sometimes it's good. And Jacob went back and, and there's a whole story where he met his brother. But after that, he wrestled with God. And after that, he came to Bethel. Back where it all started. Sometimes it's good for us in our minds just to go back and see where this journey started. And you see, sometimes it's good for me to just simply remember my Bethel. And by doing that, what we're saying is I remember the goodness of God. I remember the goodness of God when the man of God preached or when a sister came back and asked me if I was lost. It's good for you to go back to Bethel and see how gracious God was. Amen. That you weren't looking for Him when He came looking for you. Not one man went looking for God until God came looking for you. And so that's what happened to Jacob. At Bethel. And he erected a pillar and a stone. And that all who passed that way might recognize that's where God met with Jacob. And that's the stone. Do we not have that? Uh, that, uh, that we celebrate our pilgrim forefathers when they came to Plymouth Rock. And we've got that rock set aside as the place that God had His hand on our nation. Even as a baby, before we technically became a nation, those pilgrim fathers had no idea. All they wanted to do was serve God and raise their children away from the liberal teachings of the Dutch and away from the tyrant of the king. They had no idea. What lay before them was 3,000 miles of virgin forest that God was going to raise up a nation. Yeah. had no idea. But we've got that at Plymouth Rock. Now that, that place that we go back to in our nation's history and say here was the place where it really all started. Here was the place we can go to Providence, Rhode Island. There was the place that freedom of religion was birthed into this world. I'm thankful we've got that as a people. I'm thankful I've got that as a human that I can go back to Bethel in that little Methodist church where the God first spoke to my heart. Let me know I needed to be saved. And let me know I was a lost, no good, a wretched sinner. You might not think of yourself that way. I'll tell you until you do, you will never get saved. Amen. You have to see yourself for exactly what you are. And Jacob was a deceiver. That's who he was. He was a supplanter. 
That's who he was. But when God spoke to him, Jacob changed. And Jacob became Israel. And he set up a stone there that everybody that passed might know something happened. You go on a few years' time and I'll try to hurriedly go through this. And it's been a while since I've really studied it so you... Pray for me that God would help me. Uh, you go down a few years' time, about 400 and some years' time actually, uh, and you find that, uh, that nation that came out of Jacob, uh, that nation that God said as He laid there, uh, lift up your eyes to the dust, north, south, east, and west. And there's your descendants. And I'll give you this land. About 400 and some odd years after Jacob had that vision, uh, those descendants had to grew uh, from 70. Uh, he started off with a staff, uh, uh, went through Bethel, and he came out uh, with a great multitude. Uh, but he went with 70 souls into Egypt. And out of that staff and 70 souls, God made a nation. And as they were leaving that nation, by the hand of Moses. And you know that uh, that story how they went through the wilderness. But there came a time when Moses the man of God had to die. And Moses uh, picked Joshua or God did. And God said Joshua I'm going to magnify you this day. The way I magnified Moses. And your name shall be among these people. Just as Moses was for these 40 years. And he, he brought them out uh, to the banks of the Jordan. It was about, a matter of fact, it was. Uh, you can look it up. It was 40 years to the very day that Moses said, go kill a lamb. It was the 10th day of the first month. It was 40 years to the day that God said, now you're coming out of this place. These years you've spent in this wilderness journey are now at an end. And they looked across the Jordan and there was a great walled city named Jericho. A massive infrastructure. A massive undertaking. A walled with walls so high. They had no idea how God was going to do it. But trust in Him that He would deliver them. He told Joshua, Get ready on the tenth day of this first month. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to do something that the world will tremble. I'm going to do something that, as I read on Abraham Lincoln, will not be forgotten is what I'm going to do right here. And Joshua told his officers, go throughout this camp and you tell people, sanctify yourself. In three days' time, we're going to cross that Jordan River you think about that, that excitement uh, as the sergeants and, uh, and the ranks of officers went through uh, uh, that whole camp, uh, uh, family at a time, uh, consecrate yourself against that day. He said, you've never passed that way before. That's the way it is. We're passing. If you've not yet, you will. You'll one day come to a way, uh, come to a place you've never been before. And you're going to need help to get across that land. You're going to need help to get through that trial. 
And the day finally came. And they rose up early in the morning. And Joshua uh, said to the twelve priests who had the Ark of the Covenant uh, all through the last 40 years, uh, that Ark of the Covenant, uh, it, had been, it had been sacred to them. It was a place that represented God. It represented the presence of God and the power of God. But up until that time, they did something new with it now. Up until that time, for the last 40 years, uh, there was a light. And a song, there's a light guiding me. Uh, there was a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire uh, went before them. And when it moved, they moved. And it led them. Uh, but Joshua said, now, uh, you're never going to eat manna again. Uh, those days are behind you. Uh, that pillar of cloud's not going to lead us this time. There's not going to be a fire by night. Uh, but what's going to lead us is the presence of God in that Ark of the Covenant. It's going to go before you into that new land. That represents Jesus Christ. He's went before us into a new world. And so they did. They, they, those twelve people, they gathered up. Uh, they gathered that Ark of the Covenant uh, and they cast it upon their shoulders uh, and they took off. Uh, and Joshua said, Now, uh, you stay back uh, about half a mile. Uh, you stay back from them. Uh, but then he instructed those carrying the Ark. Uh, he said, As soon as your feet uh, step foot in the Jordan River, uh, the water shall be cut off. Uh, it was was a time in the spring where the snow of Lebanon had melted and it had ran down into the river. It was a time when Jordan overflowed its banks. Nevertheless, Joshua said, as soon as your feet set foot in the Jordan, you just watch what God's going to do. And those people carried the Ark of the Covenant. And the crowd of people followed about half a mile behind. And those priests set foot. As soon as they dipped their feet in the water, the Bible says the water down south of them carried on. And the water above them stood up on a heap. Is how the Bible says. And God made the water just to stop flowing. And I don't believe those priests were admiring up. I believe they were firmly on solid ground. I don't believe they were sinking in the muck and the mire, but I believe it said they stood firm on dry ground. And all of Israel begin to cross that Jordan. All of Israel, a bit at a time, and the priests take there, and they stood there. I'm telling you, watch the truth today, church. The whole time, we ought to stand firm on what we believe, and we ought to stand strong until everybody gets across. We have to stand. If they moved... The people would have died. You understand that? If they would have moved their feet, the waters would have overflowed them. Except the church stands strong. The floods of this world will overflow everyone in it. I mean what they're spouting out of their mouth today. It's an abomination in the sight of God. Churches are compromised. Churches are taken up with it. I'm telling you, we ought to stand stronger than that. These people still have to get across. And in order for them to do that, we must stand firm. And so the people crossed. And Joshua said after they were clean crossed, he said, now, uh, twelve of you, uh, go back to where their feet are. 
Go back to where those those priests are and you take a stone. It wasn't a little stone, but he said you put it upon your shoulder. A great big stone. We're going to carry 12 stones from the place that their feet stood and we're going to make them in their camp. And they got to the other side. Each man carrying one of those stones. They laid those stones down and Joshua built there an altar. He took those stones and he said, there's going to come a day when your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? When people pass by, they're going to wonder, what do these stones mean? And Joshua said, now you've got an opportunity to tell them how that we walk on dry ground and we cross this Jordan. And he, uh, he did something there. God said, make those people sit down. And they sat down. And he circumcised the men of Israel the second time. And it said that because for 40 years, that whole generation that had been circumcised in Egypt, they had died. And nobody had been circumcised in that journey. And so for 40 years, they had failed to do that commandment. And God said, before I give you Jericho, before I take you in into that land of promise, you have to have this reproach of Egypt off of you. That's a good thing. He circumcised those men and He named that place Gilgal. And he did that because it, that, that circumcising, it meant a rolling away. A rolling away of the reproach. And so now, and now they've crossed over. They came from the land of the dying. They've crossed over into the land of promise. The land of milk and honey. They crossed over to their inheritance. And they set up stones. And they said, this place is Gilgal. Do you have a Gilgal? I hope that you do. What is Gilgal? It's a place of salvation to me. It's a place if Bethel was the place where God told me I was lost, there's a marker there that I was there on that spot when He told me I was lost. But then you come to Gilgal. And Gilgal is a place uh, they had a different frame of mind. All they had ever known uh, was a life of hardship, a life of slavery in Egypt, a life of wandering in the wilderness. That's the only way they had ever known. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to realize that uh, Satan would keep us under his thumb. Sometimes even after we're saved, uh, we have to realize uh, that that reproach has been rolled away. We're no longer slaves. We're sons. Amen. We're sons now. And that's what Joshua was trying to get them to understand. Uh, the reproach of Egypt. All of that state of Egypt. All the hardships. All the times in that journey in the wilderness that you were hungry and thirsty. All the times of hardship that was there. All the times you've seen a great multitude perish and die. All of that is now behind you. And that reproach is gone forever. Aren't you glad when you get saved that just rolls off of you? I can't speak for you and how it was with you, but I believe everybody that's ever been saved better have a Gilgal. I believe if you don't have a Gilgal, you've not been born again. I believe you have to come to that place where the reproach rolls away. Where that trouble rolls back. Where there was trouble before, now there's peace and joy. Without a Gilgal, you've not got saved. 
And I'm not trying to say that to scare you or make you say a guess. I'm saying go back in your mind. Uh, they had stones there. Uh, that was proof uh, that when anybody passed by, uh, they could say, there's where it happened. There's where my sin was rolled off of me. It happened to me on a little altar. Where is your guilt now tonight? Have you today? Have you got one? I hope you do. Some time went on there. And this nation uh, was on the verge of becoming a kingdom. Uh, but as this nation was on the verge of becoming a kingdom, uh, they were in bondage under the Philistines. They had tormented them. Uh, those Philistines had, had ruled over them with rigor. And they were terrified of the Philistines. Uh, and they come to a place where uh, the Ark of that Covenant, the, the, the what, uh, what signified the presence and the power of God had been taken away and they went to go get it back but they did it in a wrong manner do you know today there are many thinking they're serving God but they're doing it in a wrong frame of mind and in a wrong manner and God will not accept that he didn't accept Cain's offering I was without blood and without faith and he won't accept what they're doing in the world and holding it up as worshiping God. He won't do it. Uh, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, but there are those today, they have every manner of forms. You go in uh, to their sanctuaries, and uh, they've got little kneelers there. Uh, you kneel and you rise, and you kneel and you rise, you sit and you stand, and so forth and so on. There ain't a bit of spirit in that. I'm not saying some of them ain't saved. I'm saying there's no spirit in that. And so they came to this place of bondage under the Philistines. And they went to go get their ark. And they did it in a bad way. And people died. The Bible says around 50,000 died at a place called Bethlehem. Because they went into the ark of God. They touched it. And they looked in it. And He just killed them on the spot. About 20 years after that, now the Bible says they were there under the Philistines one more time. And there was a prophet there named Samuel. And Samuel came and spoke to the people. And they, uh, Samuel, uh, they said, would you just pray for us? Uh, we're in a bad shape. Uh, we need a man of God. And we need a prophet of God. Uh, pray for us. And Samuel said, I'll pray for you. And as he was praying for them, uh, the Bible says they all met. And Samuel said, you're going to have to turn. Oh, how America. I told you we started right. And we started well at Plymouth, Plymouth Rock and Providence, Rhode Island. We started well worshiping God. I've told you before, the first thing that our newly inaugurated president did was George Washington in Federal Hall or Independence Hall in New York City. They inaugurated him. He led a joint session of Congress. The first thing that our joint session of Congress ever did as a nation uh, was they walked from Independence Hall under St. Paul's Cathedral at the corner of 9-11 and in that little house they dedicated this land to God. We started right. We need a man of God like Samuel. They said, would you pray for And you know what Samuel said? He said, I'll pray for you, but you must turn from your other God. From Ashtaroth, you must turn and repent. And they agreed. And they did. 
But at this religious gathering that they were having, the Philistines saw it and they thought they were plotting war. They really weren't. They were just trying to worship God and have a revival. But the Philistines thought they were plotting a war. And the Philistines came upon them and they cried unto Samuel, Samuel, pray for us. And Samuel said he went and found a bleeding little lamb, a little sheep, and maybe about eight days old. It was a little fellow. And he offered that sheep as a burnt offering. And as the smoke ascended off of that sheep and off of that little lamb, the prayers of Samuel ascended in that smoke. And they ascended and they went up to the throne of heaven. And God heard their cry. And the Bible says during that battle that the Philistines came upon them. Now remember the Hebrews had no weapons. They weren't there to fight. They were there to worship. And so they had no means of defending themselves. How would God do it? Well, the Bible said He discomfited them. I believe it says or alludes to the fact that He set a storm down and the rain and the hail and an earthquake probably happened and it happened and it drove the Philistine army right straight back where they came from. God drove them out. God has that kind of power. To drive out whatever's hindering you. There is a lot of people, I'm persuaded, in this church that's being hindered from being saved. Or maybe you've been saved and you're hindered from making that public profession. God can drive those hindering spirits out of this house and out of your soul. And so they cried to Samuel, and Samuel prayed. And Samuel took that lamb and he offered it and he prayed unto God. And God came down, smote the Philistines and then the Hebrews went charging after them. Even without weapons, they went and charged them. They overcame the Philistines and had peace 20 years. But they came back. They came back to where Samuel had prayed and offered that saying. You know what Samuel did? Uh, Samuel, guess what he did? He took a stone and he set it up. And he said, this stone, uh, this stone is Ebenezer. And this stone, Ebenezer, means God has helped me. Now you think about that stone. I've got a lot, a lot, a lot of Ebenezer's in my life. I've got a lot of times laying flat on my back. Health was gone. Money was gone. And no means to get up. I couldn't pick myself up. And there was Ebenezer that God helped me. I've got markers I can go to that if you were to pass by, there's a plot there and a stone there and a marker there that say there's a place that God met with this man. You have places like that? I'm sure if you've been saved, I'm sure there's at least one Ebenezer. There's at least one. I'd be hard-pressed to not find a multitude. There was a place where I prayed. There was a place where I prayed on behalf of a lost sinner. And God heard my cry. That's an Ebenezer. There was a place where I prayed for mom and daddy for healing to come to some aunt or uncle. And God heard my cry. That's an Ebenezer. There was a place where I was destitute. I lost my job. I laid off from work. And there was an Ebenezer. 
where God met my needs. I was at a place, you might say, where my wife is left and my husband is left and they've just left me destitute and there I was all alone. And there's an Ebenezer, a place where God met with me, comforted my soul, let me know everything is going to be alright. This weekend is a weekend of memorial. It's a weekend to remember. It's a weekend we've set aside as a nation to remember our fallen heroes that have died on the field of battle. I'd say it'd probably do this church good to go back sometimes out in the old building over there. There's a list of all your pastors that have ever served in this capacity. It'd be good sometimes to go back just to read that list of names. Thank God for those men of God who preach to you the truth in their battlefield. It'd be good for you to go back and remember, remember your, uh, remember your Bethel, remember your Gilgal, and remember all of those little Ebenezer's. Have you got them? I'm glad I've got them. This may have been a strange message, but that's the way I was directed to preach it. So you can take that up with God, I guess. But come ahead, get you a song. I'm thankful for the places I can go back to and know that God met with me there. I'm thankful that I've been in revivals before. Hey, you listen. Last Sunday, last Sunday was an Ebenezer in this church. It was a Gilgal for little Serenity. That reproach rolled off of her. And it was an Ebenezer where God met with His people. The next two Sundays, we're going to come upon two more Ebenezers for people. A place where God met with them when they were baptized. That represents a death to this land. It represents a place where God marked it down. And the world will take notice that you're no longer walking with Him because you've had a Gilgal and you've had an Ebenezer. If you don't belong to any church, search your heart. Search your heart. See if He'd like for you to unite with this church over the next few weeks. You're going to have opportunities for the next two Sundays to do just that. Get you